Thank you for joining us today. <clears throat> this is Pastor Norman and, and my wife Rhonda. Good morning. We are going to um, go through Lesson 5 of our Sunday School book. If you have a book, uh, I encourage you to follow along in the book and get your Bible. If you don't have a book, uh, listen and follow along in the Bible. Our lesson today is entitled, The Vision of the Ram and the Goat from the Prophecies of Daniel. We're going to be in chapter 8 of Daniel today. But just to look at a lesson overview um, of this vision that Daniel has here in chapter 8, it's really a fulfillment of the vision that can be seen in regards of a lot of historic uh, events. And so it's valuable in that sense because it's validated by history, but it also teaches some good lessons, lessons that not only encourage the Jewish people to remain true to God and strengthen their faith, but ours as well. This takes place, this vision, um, in the third year of Belshazzar's reign around 551 B.C., and its prophecies of world events roughly cover the next four centuries until about 160 B.C. or before the birth of Christ. So it's the, it does span a great deal of time. Um, one of the things that when we talk about prophecies and things of that nature, like Daniel chapter 8, um, and they, when they refer to future events, um, oftentimes these things are explained away by um, secular writers or uh, non-believing people. Uh, by saying that they were written after the events but credited to the uh, prophet by a later author. But we know that's not true. But we believe that the word of God is true and accurate. And it was written as uh, the authors were inspired by the Spirit of God. But this study affirms that God is worthy of worship because of who he is. So let's go, let's get into the lesson. Let's first look at Daniel's vision at Susa. And we need to read Daniel 8, 1 through 8. So this is Daniel 8, 1 through 8. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Uli Canal. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram, and he charged toward the west and the north and the south. 
No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him in great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. Thank you. Daniel 8 records uh, this prophetic vision, um, and it, it goes along with the vision that was recorded in chapter 7 uh, of Daniel. And it, it adds detail to the events revealed in the previous vision as well. Some of these details are very specific. The Eulalie, Eulalie Canal was about 900 feet wide in the city of Susa and about 230 miles east of Babylon in what is now Iran. At this point, the Babylon Empire was waning as the Medo-Persian Empire, represented by the ram with two horns in this new vision, was on the rise. The higher horn that arose last refers to Persia. The Persians under Cyrus became the dominant power in the empire and enjoyed great success in their conquests. As is often the case, success leads to pride, which made this empire vulnerable to a fall. The vision continued with the ram attacking Don't just read it. a goat. As described in this vision, um, the, the Greek Empire, under the leadership of Alexander the Great, conquered the entire Near and Middle East over a three-year period of time. Alexander, who became its ruler in 336 B.C., was that prominent horn, what we referenced in verse 5. And under Alexander's leadership, the Greek Empire was as unstoppable as the Medo-Persian Empire had been previously. But unfortunately, at the height of his power, Alexander died of a fever at the age of 32. His empire was carved up by four of his leading generals. This is depicted in Daniel's vision as the great horn, Alexander, being broken and four notable horns coming up out of its place. Okay, this can be a lot of information, but Daniel 8 provides more than just something that we can review history. And 
Um, this rise and the fall of empires recorded in Daniel's vision represents far more than interesting historic facts. God used the Persian em emperor Cyrus to open the way for Jewish people to return to their homeland and, and reestablish Jerusalem. And that was very important to the fulfillment of earlier prophecies when the judgment was given and they were sent into um, captivity. So that in itself is significant. But Alexander's conquerings brought sweeping cultural changes to the entire Mediterranean world, including the rise of Greek as the language of the government and commerce. So Greek became a common language throughout the Mediterranean world, allowing the gospel to spread quickly. And that's that's the, the language that when Jesus was here, when he established his teachings and brought the good news, that was the language that was prominent. And so much of the New Testament was written in Greek. And so it could be read and thus conveyed a written and spoken world to the masses who understood the language. And God has had his hand upon history and Daniel's visions, providing the outline of how it would all unfold. So let's go ahead and read Daniel 8, 9 through 14. It says in Daniel 8, 9, 8, 9 through 14, Out of one of them came another horn, which started small, but grew in power to the south and to the east, and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry host down to the earth, and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. It took away the daily sacrifice from him and placed a, of his in place in the place of his sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in every everything that it did. And the truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled, the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary and the host that will be trampled underfoot? He said to me, I will take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. And so, um, here Daniel presents more details concerning the Greek Empire after its division into four smaller kingdoms, um, particularly the events related to the Jewish people and their homeland. Um, and so the little horn in verse 9 is thought to refer to Anicus. Um, I think it's Anicus the fourth. And um, let's see, Epiphanes. And who became the ruler of the, I'm sorry, but these are hard words for me to pronounce, but Seleucid or something like that, empire. <laughs> 
um, which included parts of Asia Minor and extended through Asia toward India. The expansion of this kingdom, um, it included the land of Israel, which is referred to there as the land, the beautiful land, in verse 9. And um, Antiochus is remembered for his persecution of the Jews. And so in December 171 B.C., um, Antiochus sent forces against the Jewish people and conquered Jerusalem um, because he desired religious and cultural uniformity for his domain. That kind of sounds like one world order, so to speak. (laughs) He set up pagan Greek worship practices in the temple in Jerusalem in 167 B.C. Um, He went so far as to sacrifice even um, swine or pigs in the temple altar, which would have been um, an abomination really to the Lord. Many see this as a culminating event in what Daniel refers to as the rebellion that causes desolation. And um, that is, you know, it, it, it's the rebellion that brings about the desecration of the temple. So, um, Anicus's success is then attributed to rebellion by some of the Jewish people. Um, they turned from following God and adopted the Hellenistic practices and beliefs. And um, in essence, they were helping bring about this abomination. Um, the, the oppression and religious persecution lasted um, until um, the Seleucids were defeated in the Maccabean Revolt. And that's a series of battles that lasted several years, beginning in 167 B.C. And, you know, I think these dates and these places and times are really interesting and stuff. And and I've, I've said it before during Sunday school, but... It's important to note that these events that we're talking about that are recorded in God's Word are also recorded in, um, you know, history books that are secular. And so um, I always feel amazed that these coincide with things that secular people believe and wrote in their history books. But um, anyway, they're in the Bible. That's really cool to me. (laughs) The temple was um, rededicated in 165 BC then, and so um, the 2,300 evenings and mornings is a round number that corresponds to the time between 171 BC, which was the taking of Jerusalem, including the murder of the high priest, and then the cleansing of the temple in 165 B.C. So what happened to the Jewish people was particularly the result of some of them turning from God's ways to the ways of the pagan world around them. And so as such, it serves as a warning to Christians still today. We need to heed what happened there and um, make sure that um, we're not turning from God's ways to, to the pagan world around us. 
So the response to the word says, When studying Daniel 8, it is important to keep in mind that these facts were prophesied by Daniel centuries before they came to pass. Thus, they can bolster your faith as you look at the events of the world around you rather than becoming worried or discouraged. Keep in focus the fact that God knows all that is happening. And he knows all that's happening to our world even right now today with this coronavirus and everything. And he will take care of you just as he cared for his faithful people in decades and centuries before Christ came to the earth. Okay, let's go on and talk about God um, provides an interpreter in, in the form of Gabriel, his angel. So let's read Daniel 8, verses 15 and 16. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man, and I heard a man's voice from the Uli calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. Daniel struggled to understand this vision, and... And that's really not surprising, given given the fact that these events that were being described in the prophecy were yet centuries in the future. But Daniel thought about the meaning of these visions, and as he was doing that, he noticed a man standing before him. And since this person is described as having the appearance of a man... And verse 15, or look like a man in the King uh, or in the NIV, it's clear that he is more than a man. And the voice came from the area around the Ule Canal that identified this person as Gabriel. And then the voice instructed Gabriel to explain to Daniel the meaning of the vision. Verse 16. It's kind of interesting that this is the first time in the Bible an angel is identified by name. Uh, and the, uh, Gabriel is elsewhere uh, noted in the Bible uh, in Daniel, his book itself in chapter 9, verse 21, as well as later in Scripture. Daniel occupies, or Gabriel occupies a large role in the events of Christ's birth. So if you remember uh, the, when the, the angel appeared to Mary and gave her the news about uh, the birth of God's son, that was Gabriel that uh, was given that role in history. But Daniel 8, 15 and 16 reminds Christians that God speaks to his people. Whether through a still, small voice, scripture, or even an angel, God makes himself known, and he invites believers to seek him so that they might hear from him. And I think that's very important today that for us to know that we can hear from God today, and we should be expecting it, because um, uh, God wants to be a part of our lives, but he's not going to turn up the volume to compete with all of the noises or voices of our present day world, we have to 
weed them out so we can hear his still small voice. Um, let's go on and read end time insights. And that's verses uh, of 17 and 18 of chapter 8. Okay. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. Kind of like grabbing him by the collar and hauling him up. <laughs> Gabriel approached Daniel, um, and uh, I, I don't think it would be unreasonable at all to, to believe or understand that Daniel was overcome by fear in the presence of this heavenly being. And he fell to the ground in, in a state of, of deep sleep, but then rose to his feet. Fainted. <laughs> alert as Gabriel uh, touched him. Daniel's vision had to do with the appointed end time. The events described were related to God's anger with his people due to, due to their sinfulness. And, then, and this was to prophesy for uh, an appointed time the Jewish people would suffer God's discipline even as he guided the course of the world's kingdoms. much of like what we see going on today in the, in our world as far as the the kingdoms that rise and fall and the leadership and the events that are happening as these world kingdoms or nations are interacting with each other they would all be part of God's plan response to the word says that God still reveals his truth to his people the Holy Spirit teaches believers and guides them into all truth. Much of Daniel's vision initially related to God's dealing with the Jewish people. However, New Testament scriptures draw from Daniel to help believers understand God's dealing with the whole world in the end times. Praying that God will use his word to bring peace and assurance as you accept that he knows what is to come and is in control of what happens to you. Amen. Well, um, let's look at Daniel 8, 20 through 22. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. The four horns that replaced the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. So, now in Gabriel, or I mean in, in Daniel 8, 20 through 26, the angel Gabriel proceeded to provide Daniel with an interpretation of the um, troubling vision. And... Um, you know, 
It's the one Daniel had received, and the prophet was um, told then that the ram with two horns represented the Persian Empire that would overthrow the Babylonian Empire currently holding power. Um, yet this new kingdom would itself be overthrown by the the Greek Empire, um, symbolized by uh, a goat. Um, the king of the Greek Empire, represented by the great horn, would be Alexander the Great. And we all know him. <laughs> Following Alexander's death, the Greek Empire was divided into four kingdoms by his leading generals. And um, these divided kingdoms didn't possess the same level of power and influence um, like the whole empire under Alexander. Um, and then of these four kingdoms, um, the, the Ptolemies of Egypt, I guess it's Ptolemies, P-T-O-L, of Egypt, and the Seleucids in Syria played major roles in um, the lives of the Jewish people. Um, Egypt had control of the land of Israel until 199 BC or 198 BC. And when the series of battles shifted then to the Seleucids, um, I don't know for sure, Norman, if that's how you would pronounce it or not, but anyway. I would. Um, it's important to note that while few of the events described um, in this vision of Daniel are specifically recounted in the Bible, they're clearly recorded in history and even, like I said, recorded in um, our secular history books. Um, furthermore, these events are important to understand the world into which Jesus would be born. So, um, you know, it helps us understand what was going on um, at, the at the time of his birth, too. And God has perfect knowledge of future events. He did then and he still does now. And he works through the course of this world then to, to bring about his plan. Um, Daniel's vision also provides evidence that the prophetic literature of the Bible speaks to literal events that that did or will come to pass, including things that still are to come. And so, you know, we, we know that we can trust um, the Bible and the, the literal events that it, it talked about and then the things that are to come. And we trust and know that God's got that perfect knowledge of future events and and that's a, a great thing to be aware of. Um, Daniel 8, 23 through 27. Daniel 8, 23 through 27 says, In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many 
and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given to you, given you is true, but, ste- but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. Daniel was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. And so the angel Gabriel then, you know, he proceeded to tell um, Daniel and provide him with the interpretation of the troubling vision that Daniel had received. And the prophet was told that the ram with the two horns represented the Persian Empire. Um, And that empire would overthrow the Babylonian Empire currently holding power at that time. Um, Yet this new kingdom would itself be overthrown by the Greek Empire, symbolized by a goat. Um, The king of the Greek Empire, represented um, by the great horn, would be Alexander the Great. And so following Alexander's death, the Greek Empire was divided into four kingdoms by his leading generals. And so um, these divided kingdoms didn't possess the same level of power and influence as did the whole empire under Alexander. Um, Of these four kingdoms, the Ptolemies in Egypt and the Seleucids in Syria played major roles in the lives of the Jewish people. And um, Egypt then had control of the land of Israel until 198 B.C. And that's when a series of battles shifted, um, and then it went to the Siloicides. It's important then to note that while few of the events described in this vision of Daniel are specifically recounted in the Bible, they're clearly recorded in history. And again, I think that's pretty cool. Um... And I think I just read something that I already read to you a few minutes ago. So I'm going to go to the next page here. Um, So 23 years after the Seleucids defeated the um, Ptolemies of Egypt, Anicus IV, Epiphanes became king. And so as noted, um, the Seleucids had sought to lead all the people under their rule to adopt, adopt Greek culture and religion. And um, so this goal was enacted by force under Anicus IV. And he convinced many of the Jews to adopt wicked pagan Greek customs and um, turn from the ways of God. And Anicus brought much trouble to the Jewish people. His story tells us that Um, He enacted Greek pagan idol worship in the temple itself. And um, he's also said to have made practices such as circumcision, Sabbath observance, and the celebration of the Jewish feasts to be death penalty offenses. So if they did any of those things, they could receive the death penalty. Some of those things, I wonder how they went about checking them. (laughs) Anyway... 
As a result, men, women, and children were executed. And scripture was fulfilled, however, when um, Epiphanes died from a disease rather than by human hand. And that was in 164 BC. So God took care of him. <laughs> Gabriel instructed Daniel um, to seal up the vision because it dealt with future events. And most scholars today see this vision fulfilled both in the historical events involving Anarchus IV, Epiphanes, and in the yet-to-come events involving the Antichrist. So, um, this vision then left Daniel exhausted and troubled, unable to work for several days, and he was appalled and shocked and horrified because um, he couldn't understand it, but he was definitely shocking. Sorry, I um, went over some of it that I had already gone over with you. Usually I have somebody in Sunday school that stops me when I'm repeating. But <laughs> Anyway, the response to the word here, I'll read that. It says, God revealed knowledge of future events through Daniel to encourage his people to stand strong in their faith and to help them understand that he would be there for them when distressing times came. Christians today also have the teachings of the New Testament to remind them that God is in control. Pray that God will help you live as one who knows the encouragement and strength found in this truth, and that encouragement and strength, the truth that it's talking about, is that God is in control, and we can trust God completely, even today. That's the conclusion of our Sunday School lesson today, and so we'll close in prayer before we dismiss. Lord, I thank you that we still, as we as we look at these uh, accounts in Daniel, uh, the, the prophetic nature that they are, and <clears throat> understanding that they were given centuries in advance of their actual be, becoming a historical fact, that, Lord, that you do know the future and that you do orchestrate these events and have control of them. We see that from our lesson today, and they give us um, faith and they encourage us to understand the same uh, in our world today as far as what's going on among the nations and all of the events that we see going on, and even even today with uh, this virus that is um, spread globally, and we're and, and the entire world is dealing with it, that would not have caught God off guard. And so, Lord, we thank you, thankful of who you are, and that you are aware of all of these things. And as we put our faith and trust in you, we know that. You have these things in control and you will lead and guide us just as we saw in our lesson today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There is one more thing here, um, our ministry in action. Um, I'd like to challenge you guys to prepare um, answers 
you know, to the questions that people might be asking you today, like what's this world coming to? Um, you know, pray that God will help you bring godly hope to um, those around you that are trapped in fear over the current events. So, you know, that's a, a, a good challenge to, um, you know, help bring hope and and stuff to, to these people that are asking those questions. So, Well, God bless you, and thank you for joining us today. And we'll talk to you again next week.